Well, good morning, Westridge. It's good to be here with you in person and online as we continue in our At the Core series talking about what makes Westridge a special place it is. Uh, you've just seen one thing that makes Westridge a special place it is, haven't you? What a marvelous job. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> hey, last week, Scott did a great job of talking about encountering the radical love of God. And to get, today, we're going to talk about examining the, or examine embracing the radical love of God. Now, when it comes to this part of uh, Westridge's vision statement, it's important to realize that we all embrace things in life that we hope will bring meaning and purpose to life. Embracing God's radical love displayed in Jesus does require decisions on our part. And the decisions look like this, what we hold on to versus what we let go of. Now, two years ago, I purchased an item that I hoped would help me during hunting seasons. I was having trouble with my hip, it was before I had it replaced, and walking wasn't working too well. So I bought this item here, an e-bike. I'll tell you what, marvelous, okay, marvelous. And I thought, okay, I can not only ride and not have to walk, but I can move into the timber pretty quietly. So this is my bow, but I, I have my shotgun. This is the first day of shotgun season. So I had my gun over the top of my backpack, and off I went down the road in the dark. And uh, you can go about 25 miles an hour on that. It was really nice on gravel roads. So off I went down the road, uh, crossed over into the field, and then I thought as I drew closer to the timber, it'd be, probably be good to get off the bike and kind of walk it in so I wouldn't have to scare anything that was out there uh, waiting to be harvested, right? So that's when the trouble began. Because, see, I didn't turn the bike off, okay? So as I was walking the bike in, my hand on both handlebars, for some reason, I twisted the throttle a little bit, okay? And, and it began to speed up. So I began trotting down the corn stalks after the bike. And I thought, okay, i got to stop this thing. So I twisted the handlebars. But as I twisted the handlebars, I turned the throttle a little bit more. And I started going in circles out in the middle of the cornfield. And the bike was going around faster because the faster I, 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 I turned it, the more I turned the throttle. So around and around I went. And I thought, man, I am trapped in a cartoon, Okay, And I kept thinking, don't fall, don't fall. But of course, I'm going through corn stalks, and I'm uh, clumsy anyway, and so down I went. And I fell on my back, right on top of my gun, which I broke my brand new hollow sun uh, sight. So it was not a good way to start the hunt, okay? Now, here's what I realized. I was completely at fault in this whole thing. All I had to do to stop that bike was to take my hand off the throttle. That's all I had to do. All I had to do was let go, and the bike would have stopped. But instead, I held on, and I crashed. I've since learned to turn my bike off before I go into the timber. Okay? I wonder, have you ever felt that way? Now, maybe not out in the dark in the middle of the field, but the realization that what I'm clinging to Holding, that, holding on to, hoping it will provide stability and, and direction just isn't working. After encountering the radical love of God that Scott talked about last week, we're faced with a decision. You know, do I continue on the road that I'm traveling on, or is it time to choose a new direction? And here's what I know. When it talks about embracing the radical love of God, it's really all about choosing to follow Jesus. Now, when you walked in, you should have received one of these mini poker chips. Now, let me just say that the pictures on Amazon can be deceiving at times. 
because they looked a lot bigger when I when I have. So sorry, you get the little ones, okay? But I've, I'm sure you've seen poker tournaments on television at times, or maybe you've watched them in person, but there are times during a game when a player looks at the hand that he or she is holding, and they decide, I've got the winning hand. And so what they do is they take their chips, and what do they do? They push it into the middle, and they say, I'm all in, all in. All in. Embracing the radical love of God begins with choosing to go all in as a follower of Jesus. And we're going to see this truth lived out today in an encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus in Luke 19. Grace like a river carries, flows, pushes us along. The grace of God. Hey, I, the Father, the grace of God is extended to everyone who wants to have a relationship with the Father. But it is a gift that has to be accepted. Now, the vision statement to encounter, what exists to encounter embrace and embody the radical love of God was one that was born in the heart of Darren as he started Westridge 26 years ago. And I asked him about it a few weeks ago. I said, just talk to me a little bit about it. He said, well, we wanted to create a safe place for people to encounter and explore a relationship with Jesus. To encounter, to encounter and let them move along and find Jesus at their own pace. And then he said, we started Westridge with a different premise, of course. The premise was when people understood the depth of sin, which we all sin, the depth of sin, but that incredible and remarkable grace of God that does flow like a river, that does cover everything we've ever done, the magnitude of that, that it was something that people would want to embrace for themselves. Now, the story we're going to look at today begins with an encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in the city of Jericho, and Jesus was entering the town of Jericho. And it was often the case, excitement over his coming spread across the city. Everybody was abuzz with it. And Zacchaeus, hearing that the master was coming, wanted to get a glimpse of this teacher. He'd heard about him. He wanted to see what it was all about, and what the, all, all the commotion was about. So let's look at Zacchaeus for just a moment. Uh, Darla and I, we like watching cooking shows on television. We watch, uh, you know, Crime Scene Kitchen, Bobby Flay's Triple Threat, uh, uh, Barbecue Brawl, things like that. And what I've noticed is that when the competitors have a coach, they often ask the coach something. As they're cooking, they will pick up a spoon, dip it in whatever they're cooking, and extend it to the coach and say, what do you think? And the coach will take a, will take a taste and we either say, whoa, that is amazing. Or he will say, ah, something's missing. Usually needs more salt, which I love. Okay, but he say, something's missing. And then they'll tell the ingredients it's missing, and so the person will put that in. Now, here's what I recognize about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had everything that people really want and people chase after. He had position. He was the chief tax collector. Means everybody else in town, all the other tax collectors in the region, reported up to him. He was the liaison with the Roman government, so he was chief. We're told that not only that he had he had power because as a tax collector, as a tax collector, he could choose to tax anybody he wanted to, any time he wanted to, for any reason he wanted to. That's one reason why they weren't liked very well. Okay. So if he was running a little low on cash, hey, we're going to create a tax for people crossing the road here. So anybody crossing, okay, pay me up. And they had to do it. 
And the last thing we're told, that Zacchaeus had money. We're told he was very wealthy. So on, on the surface, it looked like Zacchaeus had everything going for him. Something was missing. And we know that because when he heard about Jesus, he wanted to see him. Now, Zacchaeus was vertically challenged, okay? He was, he was a little guy, okay? And like I said, he wasn't very well-liked by the people. So when he went to the parade that Jesus was coming down the road, he tried to push his way, muscles his way into the front of the crowd. And I just can't imagine, I kind of imagine in my own mind, the crowd looking at Zacchaeus, trying to push his way in. They look back, see who it was, and says, oh, no, 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 no. You may get our money, but you're not going to get my place in line, Right? Okay, and they just—I think they just kind of formed up a big, a big crowd. Said, "No, no, you're not pushing in, bud." Now, the reason I know something was missing is that for most people, if they encounter obstacles to something, they're just going to give up and go home. Zacchaeus didn't do that. Okay, he, he, he said, "I got to see this guy." So he goes a little further down the road, and, and there he spots a sycamore fig tree. A tree with low branches. And this man of prestige and power climbed the tree just so he could see Jesus. Embracing a relationship with Jesus really does begin when we know something's missing apart from him. I was speaking to a church a couple of months ago, and the lady making the announcements was talking about an outreach event that was coming to the church and she said this as she was making the announcement. said, you know, I had to ask my friend three times, three different times to invite me to this church. Now, we want to do this event so we can tell other people about Jesus, about this church. So I asked her afterwards. I said, okay, did I hear you right? She said, what do you mean? I said, did you have to ask your friend three times to tell you about the church? She said, oh, yeah. She was holding on to that secret or something. I said, well done. Good perseverance. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Not the way it's supposed to be. But she kept at it. This is Zacchaeus. Knowing something was missing, he kept at it. So Jesus is walking along. Crowds all around him. People, noise, commotion, all kinds of things. He's walking down the road, and he saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus up there in the tree. And you know what Jesus does? He stops. He stops. There were people everywhere. But Jesus saw him, and here's what he said. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I look at that, and I think, why Zacchaeus? Why did Jesus stop for him? And then I thought about it. Why me? Why Jesus stop for me? And any of us who know Jesus and have embraced that radical love, we can say the same thing, can't we? Why me? Here's the reality. Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Just like he, knows he loves us, every one of us. See, the thing I recognize is not only did Jesus see Zacchaeus, he knew Zacchaeus. Because he called him by name. And Jesus knows every one of us. He knows what we've done. He knows where we've been. He knows, and he loves us anyway. Grace like a river.
I had a chance encounter at a gas station on Monday. I was getting gas when an older gentleman rolled up on the other side of the pump, and he, he went over to pay, and when he came back, I, I, sometimes I just want to make eye contact with people, right? Okay, so I know it's part of personality stuff, but anyway, I, I just made eye contact, and I nodded. He was snappily dressed, and I just nodded at him. He nodded at me, and he looked at me and said, hey, uh, I saved three cents per gallon. I said, good deal. I said, I saved 50 he said, 50? I said, yeah, I'm using up my food points. So it's Kroger. So anyway, so I was using up my, uh, my points there. And he said, well, that's something. He said, but isn't it something you have to go buy food so you can get a, a discount on gas? I said, yeah, but I mean, we need food and we need, ga- <laughs> we need gas too. So we're just talking back and forth like that. And I was all done. Uh, I was done uh, getting gas. And I just looked at him and said, hey, thanks for the conversation. I said, I, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful you're the man you are. I said, I figure you've got a few years on me. I said, my dad, he's 87. And the guy looked at me and said, I'm 87. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm a born-again born believer in Jesus Christ. He said, I, uh, I, I've accepted Jesus back when I was 35, and, uh, and he, saved my, he saved me from my sins. I said, you know, I am too. And he got a big smile on his face. I said, I, I found Jesus when I was young. I said, it's good to hear a story like that. He said, oh, man. He said, I've fallen so many times in life. But I got back up again, and God always loves me. I said, you know, isn't the love of God, isn't the grace of God amazing? He said, yes, it is. So I introduced myself, and he introduced himself. We shook hands across the gas pump. And I said, thanks for the conversation. I said, I start churches across Chicago. He said, whoa, that's got to be a hard job. I said, no, no, no. It's a fun job because we get to see God at work all over the place. I said, Lord bless you, bud. And so away I went. And I thank God for that chance encounter because I'll tell you what, when you embrace the radical love of Jesus, you get those encounters all the time when you're looking for them. Okay? And I love the way he was so ready to share what Jesus had done in his life. How about that? Love available to anyone. Hey, This point is very important, especially when we consider what happened after Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Because when the crowd saw what was happening, they began to grumble. See, they didn't believe that someone like Zacchaeus, a dirty tax collector, deserved to have Jesus come to their house. And in this encounter, we see the value that Jesus places on every person. He knows knows our story. And he loves us anyway. See, Jesus didn't care what the people thought about Zacchaeus. He knew what he came to do, and he was going to do it. So Jesus went and spent time with him. And something happened during that time together because we're told, we know it happened because we're told what Zacchaeus, the heart change he had. Here's what he said. Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. So he let go of the things that defined who he was. He was a wealthy man of prestige. He really didn't care about the poor. Before Jesus, all he cared about was himself. And what I realized is that when it comes to embracing that relationship with Jesus, we will have a battle take place. Not a physical battle, but it's that battle of the will 
where I have to make to, I have to determine whether to give up what my selfish heart wants to embrace what Jesus wants to bring my way. So the choice, letting go what I count to bring count on to bring hope and happiness, which really only contains emptiness, or to take hold of what Jesus offers and go all in in following him. The other thing I see about this, Zacchaeus says this, he says, if I've cheated anybody, here's what it carries, the really, what it really is meaning. It says, since I have cheated people, I'm going to pay them back four times, which is a huge repayment, well, well beyond what he wanted to do. But he wanted to show what had happened in here. And as we embrace and follow Jesus, our actions, we don't do anything to earn grace, okay? We don't do that, but our actions show the gratitude for what God has extended to us as we go all in. Embracing the radical God, love of God really does change everything. It really does supply what we're missing. Because Jesus said this, looking at the situation today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of, a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And in this, I see the word described that follows everyone who embraces the radical love of God. The word is hope. Hope. What a marvelous word for we who know Jesus. And what a needed word for those who haven't chosen to embrace him yet. I got, I got to see hope in action a couple of weeks ago at the celebration of life service for my college baseball coach. He was a follower of Jesus, had been all of his life. And the service displayed this reality. The songs, the stories, the reflections, they all pointed forward to the hope the coach was now enjoying as he stepped into the next chapter of life for him. It was interesting because one of the videos shown that day was a video that he had, had done right before Easter this year. And he, uh, he was there sitting there with it in his church office, in the office where, where he goes to church. He had oxygen on his nose, and he was just talking about what the resurrection of Jesus means. And he said, it's all about the hope, the hope I've lived now and the hope I'm headed toward. I told Darla afterwards, what a difference there is between the funeral of someone who follows Jesus and those who don't. And the difference? Hope. That our hope's not just for beyond this life, though. It's hope, it's hope for right now. Power and meaning we get. That's the other thing I see here. When Jesus speaks his mission statement, he said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know what we get to do? We get to point others toward the hope. As we embrace that love of Jesus, we get to point others toward him. I was reading a story not long ago about the Contiki. It was a balsa log raft across the Pacific Ocean from South America to the South Pacific. They wanted to show that it could be done by people from the past. So they put this raft together and took a three-month trek in 1947 across the ocean. Now, the crew of six had little ability to steer this raft, as you can only imagine there, okay? They couldn't, couldn't really steer it, and so anything that fell into the water was lost because it was carried away, and they couldn't chase after it. 
Well, about two months into the journey, one of the crew members fell into the water. Strong wind and currents quickly put uh, distance between the raft and Herman Watsinger, the man who went overboard. And with the separation growing larger, Watsinger became a little dot floating in the ocean. So, Newt Holgram threw a life preserver on, a life vest on, tied a rope to it, and jumped into the water. And swimming toward, toward Watsinger, Newt grabbed hold of him, and the men on the raft pulled him safely back to the boat. Jesus sees us, Jesus knows us, and Jesus is here for us. He's the one who dove into the earth, opened his arms up, and welcomed us into his embrace. Now here's what I realize about an embrace, though. We have to be willing to step into it ourselves. Jesus will not force himself on anyone, but he openly welcomes us all to step in. Evil Knievel was 65 years old when he heard God's voice telling him, Robert, I have saved you more times you'll ever know. Now I want you to come to my son, to me through my son, Jesus Christ. Now, Evil Knievel had no idea what God was telling him to do. He did not know Jesus. He'd heard about him, but that's about all he knew. He said, I knew one Christian man, Frank Gifford. He said, I called Frank and said, Frank, tell me about this guy, Jesus. Frank said, I'll do better than that. I'll tell you what, read this book. Read A Case for Christ. Lee Strobel wrote, he said, read A Case for Christ and see what you find out about Jesus. So he did. And Knievel said, I wanted to choose Jesus. And he did. And here's what he told Lee Strobel a few years later. That my biggest regret was that I didn't give my life to Jesus earlier. Lee, you have to tell people, don't put this off. Don't put this off. So today, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. One, I want you to take that poker chip reminder and put it somewhere as a reminder of what it means to embrace the radical love of God in Jesus. And as you do so, uh, two things. First of all, we want Westridge to be a safe place for people to explore a relationship with Jesus at your own pace. But if you have encountered God's radical love, and if you have uh, understood the grace that God offers to, to you and to each of us, What's stopping you from stepping into his embrace? Now, I know, going all in. I, I understand that. Stepping in to Jesus means letting go of things that we've all hoped will provide meaning and security. But if we've counted on those things, we already know they don't. So if you want to talk to somebody about taking next steps, I, I want to encourage you to do so. Write it on your card, check in on your app, and just say, I want to talk to somebody about my next step. Because we want people to not only encounter the radical love of God, but to embrace it by going all in. Or come up front and talk afterwards. I'll be happy to talk to anyone. I did that a couple of weeks ago, and it was, I love pointing people to Jesus. See, with this in mind, 
for quite a few years, I had a card on my office wall. It was a card that came from a, from a lady who became a friend after her husband. I did her husband's funeral. And Ruth wrote this to me. She said, Lance, I wish Don would have met you years ago. Then maybe he wouldn't have been so afraid. He was afraid to die because he didn't know what came next. I don't want that for anyone. I want for everyone to find the hope that is available to all of us. So what I want to what I want to want you to realize is that there are dons all around us. People who need someone to, to dive in and point them to Jesus. I've got a list of several people I pray for regularly, and I meet with most of these people regularly because I want to help people find the hope of Jesus. As many people who can to, to come to heaven. So my question is, who is your Don? Again, we all have them. When you have a name in mind, I want to encourage you to, to dive in. Maybe tell them the story of Zacchaeus. I did that with, a, with one of my unchurched friends uh, the other day. And uh, he said, huh, I remember that from when I was a kid. So we talked. We talked. So take a step. Don't wait. Just dive in. See what happens. See, embracing the radical love of God, something we believe and encourage here, is just another ongoing quality that makes Westridge the special church that it is.